0: You're listening to SB Nation at the Super Bowl. We are very pleased to be joined by the world-renowned, the savior of Cowboys Twitter, uh, gaming on sports betting attorney, Daniel Waller. Daniel, thank you for taking time to join us here on Radio Row. Yeah, and thank you for that introduction. I'm glad that uh, the, the people in Dallas remember. Oh, well, I'm telling you, I mean, you know, we don't like to think about the, the Zeke suspension days, but, you know, I cover the Cowboys for SB Nation, and so, I mean, you remember the yo-yo of that. He's suspended, he's not suspended, he's filing this. And, and so, you know, it's for, for average Joes, we don't know what any of that means, and you were our dude. I mean... Right, <laughs> it, thank you. It, it,
1: I'm just sorry it ultimately... Uh, The pendulum swung the wrong way at the end. Uh, But I will say this about the case. It will probably be the only NFL disciplinary case to end up in federal
0: courts in three different states. It was, I mean, it really was fascinating. Obviously, um, the the way that it unfolded was was unfortunate. You know, the situation was very serious. And unfortunately, you know, from a uh, what matters ultimately in life perspective, we have a few of those going on right now. Uh, they are reminiscent of. I feel like the you know the Zeke thing was big, but the Deflate Gate thing was gigantic. Oh, that went viral
1: because no matter which city you were in or which team you rooted for, you either loved the Patriots right. or, in most cases, you hated the Patriots. <laughs> yes. Especially in New York, Miami, but within the Boston market, which is the most fervent fan base right. in, in, the, in the United States. Sorry, Dallas. Sorry, New York, my hometown. It's okay. It's okay. Uh, it took on you know like crusades like
0: right. fervor,
1: you know, like Moses kind of stuff where you were either for Tommy or you're against Tommy. And if you were a neutral or objective writer in that market, I'll give you a perfect case in point. Ben Volin, who's the he's great. And he, He's awesome. The NFL columnist for the Boston Globe. He wasn't necessarily just, you know, in the pro Tommy camp on everything. He took a much more objective view of it. And he got a lot of heat and negativity online and People that were just like sort of boycotting him. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you you need to be able to have a perspective of looking at all sides of an issue. Right. I mean, he was he was definitely one of the writers that did that. But you know, in, in, the, in the Patriots fan base in the Boston market, uh, it gets a little heated, and <laughs> they don't want to hear the pushback. They only want to hear the pro Tommy stuff. And yes. To this day, uh, they think that the NFL, you know, had it out ha- had, yeah. it, had it out for the Patriots, uh, and. The fans blame Kraft for capitulating and right. yep. settling, you know, his aspect of, of, of the discipline and not standing behind Brady. So uh, that was sort of for me the salad days of
0: sports law. Right.
1: And then Iliad, uh, Ezekiel Elliott was basically the sequel. No, so I'm I now, agree. I'm now hoping for a Rocky
0: Three. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I uh, I like to live my life by something that I call the Purple Pants Rule, and uh, what it is is so like if your job said Daniel, we want to hire you, we're going to pay you X. Uh, here's your contract and you read it and within there it said you cannot wear purple pants to work on wednesdays is that a dumb rule yeah it's probably a dumb rule right but if you sign the contract you say i'm I'm willing to do this work exchange these services for these you know this price this salary whatever and then you wear purple pants to work on wednesday who's the like who's the the fool here you because know, everybody will jump and say well that's a dumb rule but it's a rule you know what, <laughs> what i mean like it, it's still a rule that you acknowledged is i feel like that's yeah, the but, lens you look through
1: but but yeah you and i when they, we enter into that agreement we're we're negotiating at arm's length. We have equal bargaining power. Mm. Analogizing it to the players. Um, right. They lack that kind of leverage to kind of draw their line in the sand. And, you know, while many critics of, you know, NFLPA, like complaints will say, well, you, you agreed to this system of discipline. You right. agreed to this. You agreed to that. Uh, you should have, you know, asked for a neutral arbitration. You have to understand the dynamic uh, the power dynamic—it's difficult yeah. to ask for, right? Around the CBA, it is. And when you look at the way that the personal conduct policy is written, it is deliberately broad because the league wants the latitude to apply punishment however they see fit. And so that is the context that we're working with here. Is is a rule that is deliberately broad so that it can be used any way the league thinks is appropriate. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that, but I also think there's some degree of. Uh, In artful drafting and lawyering by the PA lawyers, certainly, Mm. uh, there are ways to mitigate some of the overbroad interpretations of language. I mean, would it have been too much to, you know, insist upon certain kinds of uh, due process protections? Maybe not, you know. To, to, like a court of law but certainly in terms of evidence collection that whichever sure. documents or you know witnesses are on the NFL side uh, that contribute to the you know arbitral ar- arbitration decision or the discipline that the players association would have the right of access to those documents and those witnesses that's not such a controversial not at all. ask and in retrospect when I look at the gaps in the CBA around the conduct detrimental language in article 46, I think there's a little bit more that the NFL Players Association could have insisted on. I mean, Mm -hmm. they were never going to get neutral arbitration or, uh, you know, real robust protections. But they ended up with basically, uh, you know, a naked provision that gave uh, Goodell and the league almost carte blanche to do anything that they wanted to do in the discipline sphere. As long as the league was operating pursuant to the right Right. document. You know, if it said conduct detrimental, well we can't question the wisdom of the decision but if the league was applying the right policy even if they applied it incorrectly the courts will never disturb that sure and that's basically uh, you, know, you know it's it, it, it guarantees no judicial review or meaningful judicial review. Unless the NFL screws something up procedurally, right? Yes. And, and it's a pretty low bar to succeed if you're the NFL. <laughs>
0: yes. Right, and that's that's where I think the purple pants rule comes into play because you look at it, you say, "Hey, you signed, you agreed to this, etc." Uh, I'm curious, and I, I, forgive me for forgetting the details, and I know that I'll butcher the legal terms here. In the Zeke issue, there was the, the prosecutors brother or husband was uh the attorney that, that did the report or something like that do you, do you remember the details on that uh, were you talking about Lisa Friel or some NFL it was, uh investigator there was a the, the the person that ran the investigation was I think the husband of uh not Lisa Friel because I know Lisa Friel was was pro-Zeke uh pro-Zeke in terms of non-suspension but um and and there was all that you know I remember Twitter was was ablaze with all of that and so I guess my question is I mean, are you shocked or is it normal sort of legal procedure in general to operate with that sort of level of arrogance? That the NFL would be like, we can do this and and nobody will really be the wise to it.
1: I mean, when you're referring to relationships and potential bias, it it becomes meaningful when it's the judge Mm -hmm. uh, where there's a personal connection. Um, I think in the the Zeke case, what I seem to recall is that some of the uh, uh, investigative findings within the league that were – Pro Zeke were kind of uh, sanitized right. yes. or left out of, you know, the league's you know disciplinary decision and it, or, or their investigative report that it just simply cherry picked those items right. that were uh, relevant have, to have, them.
0: What would have most strongly backed the decision mm-hmm. to suspend them for six games? Um, the details are very, I think, murky to a lot of people. Can you explain what's happening with the New Orleans Saints right oh. now? I don't think anyone really knows because the emails, uh,
1: and and I guess I'll give you some context. Uh, No one has seen the emails that uh, point to a sort of collaboration between the New Orleans Saints and the Archdiocese of New Orleans. And as you could imagine, um, uh, churches and uh, archdioceses across the country are coming to grips with the past history of, um, you know, child child sexual abuse, and a lot of that had been covered up uh, in a number of different cities, and you know, New Orleans was no exception. Uh, there was one deacon, I believe, that was accused of uh, like a serial child sexual abuse, I mean, over the course of many years, and I don't know if he's the only one, uh, but the owner of the Saints, Gail Benson, mm-hmm. is, enjoys a close relationship with the archdiocese, and uh, essentially commandeered or commissioned her team's public relations apparatus Mm. to provide uh, PR support, PR advice, and assisting the archdiocese in managing the PR fallout from the scandal. Uh, I don't know the degree to which the saints were involved, but uh, the reason this came to light is that the victims of the sexual abuse have brought a I think either a direct lawsuit or a class action lawsuit in Orleans County uh, State Court in Louisiana, and the plaintiffs have issued a subpoena to the New Orleans Saints to gain access to the more than 300 emails Mm. and communications that have been exchanged between the Saints and the New Orleans Archdiocese. And the complaint and the motion that was filed suggests that the, the Saints did more than simply uh, provide you know some advice, some advice and right. guidance. There seems, at least the inference to me, at that there was a sort of a strong degree of coordination and integration between the chief between the Saints PR staff and the New Orleans Archdiocese, which suggests to me that there could be a lot more there. Than just simply offering some, you know, uh, crisis management consultation. They could be a little bit more directly involved in the concealment, or potentially making uh, or minimizing what had actually occurred to, to to place the archdiocese in the most favorable light publicly. And that, to me, is one of the most underreported uh, potential conduct detrimental uh, incidents right. in the NFL. If, if if Tom Brady's uh, involvement with uh, altering the weight or alleged involvement with deflating a <laughs> yeah. football would give rise to uh, a multi million dollar investigation right. by the NFL to protect the integrity of the welfare of the league or protect the integrity of the game, what would you say about an NFL team that aids and abets? A religious organization's cover-up or concealment of, you know, serial, you know, child sex abuse crimes. Yes. It's at a different level. It's, it's, the the, the, the difference between right. the two is night and day. Of course, we can't yet accuse of course. the New Orleans Saints of anything untoward. They may not have even done anything illegal. Right. However, uh, this is um, a negative uh, perception sure. for the League, and it does a lot of harm to the the league's welfare, to the goodwill, shield. to right. the image, and if you know if they're supporting an organization which covers up or or tries to minimize the you know extent to which there was sexual abuse, uh, that should be that should be gaining the, that should be on the NFL's radar immediately. And instead of having this relegated to a state court in Louisiana, where one judge will look over the documents, what would happen if the judge denied the plaintiff's motion? Uh, to, you know, gain access to this evidence and the Saints prevail on their motion to quash. What does that mean? Nobody will ever see these documents. The NFL will never have the opportunity to review them. No, the NFL has the power under the Constitution and bylaws of the National Football League to conduct their own independent investigation. And it shouldn't be up to uh, a state court judge to Mm. decide whether and to what extent the NFL should have uh, oversight and transparency into these records. I mean, we know from past... Uh, domestic violence cases, that the NFL is certainly um, well deputized to Mm -hmm. seek public records from police agencies. uh, And they've done that in a number of cases involving Josh Brown, uh, Ezekiel Elliott. Sometimes they're successful in getting the documents. Sometimes they're stonewalled for a little while. But the NFL has not shown an inclination to wait for the civil justice system to run its course before their antenna go up. They, they have the ability, the assets and resources to conduct parallel investigations. And I believe that this rises to the level of, well, let's see what's there. I right. mean, there may be nothing there. What the Saints did may have just simply been providing some advice on how to the, you the know, PR
0: perspective of it. Pro-
1: provide better
0: transparency. Mm-hmm.
1: But with 300 emails, that raises at least to me a legitimate question over how involved the saints were in guiding the the Catholic uh, Archdiocese uh, actions, statements, and uh, treatment of victims of uh, of these sexual abuse cases.
0: The NFL has been very publicly scrutinized for being too involved uh, within the Ezekiel case with Josh Gordon. I mean, we can cite multiple examples. In your professional opinion, and maybe this this is actually just a matter of opinion, it's all hypothetical, Uh, The NFL, at least not publicly acknowledging that they're, you know, getting involved here. Is that them finally saying, you know, what we are going to let the judicial system play itself out? Or is that just a convenient thing to say, (laughs) given the the potential of this?
1: Well, they aren't saying anything. That's the problem. Uh, Rather than a change in course or a change in policy, I think this kind of cries out for uh, accusations of selective enforcement. Mm -hmm. If you're a player uh, and you were accused in a private civil lawsuit of, Sexual abuse, as in the case of Antonio Brown, well, that will go on the league radar and they'll investigate it. But think of how many times league employees, team employees, team owners uh, have been accused of crimes that either have not been investigated or have been basically, you know, swept under the table without any serious, you know, discipline imposed. So I think it does bring to mind uh, sort of a uh, inconsistent treatment and, you know, the, the policy will be more strongly applied when a player does something bad as opposed to an owner or a team or a team employee. But make no mistake about it, the conduct detrimental language in the, in the NFL constitution and bylaws, and I believe in Article 46, but certainly in the NFL Constitution and bylaws, applies unequivocally to teams, owners, employees of the league, and team employees. Mm -hmm. And if a team or an owner is found to have committed a violation of that provision of the NFL Constitution, there are a a range of penalties that are available to the NFL commissioners, starting at a minimum with a a fine of up to $500,000, which is not much if you own a team. Uh, potential, uh, you know, I guess suspension, and then in the more serious case, if uh, the commissioner believes that the penalties available in the normal course aren't sufficient, he could refer the matter to the NFL's executive committee, where the range of penalties that uh, that would be available could include. A forced sale of the team. Wow! I don't think we're heading there. Obviously, we don't even know what 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 is in these emails, so I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. But the NFL possesses wide and broad discretion, wide and broad disciplinary authority under the Constitution to investigate these kinds of incidents and um, impose discipline. Uh,
0: where, where appropriate. I remember that idea surfacing with the Jerry Richardson ish- situation in yes. Carolina, that it was it was possible the NFL could force him to sell the team. Obviously, he ultimately ended up doing so. Um, Daniel, finally, what do you think will... The, the 17-game regular season has, has been discussed a lot. What do you think will be the biggest uh, uh, biggest issues in, in terms of the new CBA?
1: Uh, before I get to that question, could it possibly be on NFL Radio Row that Big Poppy... Is walking by us? Actually, yes. you are correct. Or, or that is, is amazing. I thought he was just
0: in the hospital. My, he, I was yeah. like, that was a few months ago, but he is, he is here. Wow. wow. I had is, to get a picture of This is my the PI place PI. to be. Yes.
1: This is definitely the place to be. So, you want to know about the 17 game schedule? Yeah. Uh, what kind of conscience do NFL owners have? Yeah. Uh, good with, with the knowledge of all the, you know, um, head in, you know head injuries, trauma, uh, and concussions with the history of, of you know injuries associated with, with the head and concussions. How in their how in their good conscience can they ask these players? To play even more football yeah. mm-hmm. and expose themselves to more head-on collisions. I know the counter argument is, well, we'll eliminate two or three preseason games, but the most of the veterans—yeah, those are insignificant. Yeah, yeah. the veterans the only- don't play in those. Uh, I mean, I'm not to su- not suggesting that the free agents and the you know roster, you know, the the, the, the end of sure. the roster is unimportant, but the games are not played at the same level, and uh, the, the 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 players who make the roster. At most, the regular mm. regular season players maybe play a little bit in the preseason. So, I, I think the players should hold strong and fast on this and not give in. Of course, economics always matter. Right. And for every claim and our suggestion that the players should insist on neutral arbitration in the disciplinary, uh, you know, practices of the NFL and and to fight hard on, you know, 16 games, not 17 games. Ultimately, uh, the, the the owners in the league have significant leverage by virtue of the fact that they can alter the economic imbalance. Give the players more money, more of a share, more b- health care benefits, greater pensions. And that would ultimately swing the pendulum. But one factor, one wild card to watch out here for is the upcoming election. Oh, Upcoming election in the NFL uh, Players Association. Oh. Uh, a, a, a player by the name of Russell Okung. Yes. Okung. Was Okung, thank yes. you. And I'm friendly with him on, on Twitter. He's running... To be the next president of the NFLPA. And he is. And didn't um,
0: he negotiate his own deal? Yes, he did. did, Yes, Yes, he did, but he's
1: a dead ender on the 17 game schedule. And um, from what I've been gathering, there's been significant progress made between the NFLPA and the NFL on, on many of the issues. And if he were to become president, and I hope he does. Because he's really looking after the interests of the players, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I think he's he's really pure. The, the NFLPA doesn't want him. They don't, they, they find they, they find they kind of dislike him and have accused him of uh, trying to improperly politic behind the scenes. But it would be the best thing possible for the players if you wanted to have a resistance uh, mm-hmm. to any notion of additional games, which 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 stuns me. That you know, if you're Dan Snyder or Robert Kraft. You're worth billions. What kind of heart do you have to ask these people, these men who face shortened life expectancies, shortened careers, to go there and go out on the line uh, and expose themselves to one more game of violent head-on collisions? I couldn't do it. No, I couldn't either. And, you know, we already see this with the league with Thursday night football. Players have been, they've been very vocal about the fact that it's too quick of a turnaround from Sunday. And that, the fact that they continue to push Thursday night football as a priority makes me think that they're going to be willing to push very hard for that 17 game season too. So I hope that I'm wrong. Yeah. I mean, there have been some situations where teams have had to play three games in a row on shortened schedules. You go Sunday to Thursday and yeah, then, as you get closer to the end of the season, you have some Saturdays, and yep. you know, right. Um, this is a serious issue. I don't think the fans really uh, out there really are galvanized. Uh, they want their football. Yeah. They want to watch their football. So, who's the constituency that's going to back the players if the players don't have their own backs? Which apparently the NFLPA doesn't seem to have the players' back on the seventeen-game schedule. If not them then who's going to be their champion. And that's why I hope Russell Okung, uh, you know really does uh, play a central role in, in pushing back against that schedule. I could live with 16 games. Yeah. And as a Giants fan, I could live
0: with fewer than 16 <laughs> games. That's a great way to end uh, the conversation, considering I, I covered the Cowboys. So. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> thanks a lot, Daniel. Uh, on Twitter, at Wallach Legal, he will make you smarter if you get in trouble. Uh, he's got some time to be able yeah. help you out. Yeah, and I've
1: done traffic tickets pro bono for people. So if you get a uh, moving violation in Broward, Dade, or Palm Beach County, uh, (laughs) maybe we could work something out.
0: We'll be sure to keep you in mind for that. (laughs) Thank you so much, Daniel. Enjoy the rest of your week. Thank thank you, RJ. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Gene. Thank Thank you. you. (laughs) All right.